Well, let me pray and uh, we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word that's been preserved for us uh, from Isaiah. Thank you, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you're now at work here. I pray, Father, that you would soften our hearts, open our ears, and make sure that we don't harden them. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. All right, well, uh, that's a a great reading, isn't it, from Isaiah uh, 65 there? Uh, just quickly bring you up to speed with the, uh, the, the series that we've been doing. We've been looking in the last couple of weeks uh, at a time called the Year of the Lord's Favour. And so we go from Jesus' birth there through the cross, his resurrection and the age of the church. We then, Matt last week spoke about uh, the second coming of Jesus when he returns uh, in vengeance when he would judge the world. And we've said that there is a day coming where there will be a new creation. We are living in today, before the day of judgment and also before the new creation. Today, we are focusing on this new creation idea that when Jesus comes back, he will start a, a new creation, a world without sin and suffering and sickness and death. That's a pretty exciting topic for today. Well, what's our response as Australians to this overwhelming good news about a new creation? Uh, It's 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 okay, I guess. I I just think it's so striking. We're we're hearing God is going to remake the world. We're hearing that that the, the victory of God is being proclaimed. And we're like, sure, yeah, if you get around to it sometime, God, that'd be okay, I guess. As long as there isn't, you know, something happening on the TV or a grand final on. At least if you could wait till this afternoon. Although I would say that we beat England this morning in the rugby, so that's all right. Jesus can come back now. That's good. No rugby fancy. That's all right. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, so so, here's, so here's, here's the thing. I, I, I think our response to this incredible news is all right. And I've been wondering why. Why is it? That as a, and maybe you're sitting there jumping out of your skin secretly, and so it's not you, but it's the person sitting next to you. You're excited about it. But I'm wondering why. Why are we so meh about this new creation idea? And I've really tried to be thinking about it this week. Uh, so think with me. Uh, if you can open your Bibles, that would be really great. I'd love you to have Isaiah 65 open in front of you. And we're going to have a little bit of a look and a think together. Why is it that particularly as Australians... We might not be, whoa, this is incredibly good news. Now, the thing to remember is, what's in front of the original readers? The original readers are in a city that's been surrounded by a superpower. They've seen their northern neighbours taken off and taken to another country. They've seen armies defeat their next-door neighbours. They are living in a world where they feel like a tiny little teacup in the midst of a massive storm of political upheaval. So for them, have a listen to these words. But be glad, verse 18, it says in, uh, in chapter 65, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. 
Now, in the prospect of where Jerusalem is at this point in time, that's amazing news. We're staring down the barrel of being trashed, basically, as a city by a superpower, having our people slaughtered. And here's the good news saying there's going to be a day when Jerusalem will be returned to a city of delight, when weeping will be banished from it. Wouldn't you long for that day? And I think the answer is in that context, we're sure you would. But, but here's our context, right? So the city will be 100% joy. It'll be an amazing time. But, you know, in Australia here, here's our city. And uh, we got ranked, I think, number five in the world's most livable cities. Uh, and they ranked this out of 100. And so we got a rating of uh, 96.1% livability in Sydney. And so we're hearing the city will be a delight and we have objective people out of 221 cities in the world that got ranked out of 100. We were number five. Now, admittedly, Melbourne was a little bit higher, so there might be a sound of weeping for a little bit. But uh, here's the point. Our city, we delight in it. Around the world, it is singled out as being one of the most livable cities in the world. And so we hear, oh, there'll be a delightful city where weeping will be banished. And we kind of go, eh. I'm living in it, aren't I? Let's have a look at another one. Verse 20, the the next verse here. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at 100 will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach 100 will be considered accursed. In a city where foreign soldiers will take your life if you're an adult male, where children are put to the sword as a matter of course in in warfare. The thought that there might be a day where a hundred years is considered to be just not very much and where children will never die young, uh, that's, that's an extraordinary hope. We can't wait for the day when all of our men will grow old. See, because they'll be killed in war. We can't wait for a day when our children will grow up and live because they will be killed in war. And so there's a longing here. There's actually a picture of hope that says a society that gets to live out its years is a city profoundly at peace. And yet here in Australia, our average age is moving up to 82 years. It's extraordinary, isn't it? When maybe the average age was 40, the average lifespan was 40, 50, something like that, to think that we now have just a standard across the board, 82 is our expectation. We're getting up there. We're 82% of that kind of thing, aren't we? I mean, I've got a grandmother. She's turning 101 this month. She's still cooking for herself and wandering around. She's amazing. 82 years. And infant mortality in Australia, tragic every time. So don't hear me say this wrong. Any statistic here that isn't zero is absolutely tragic. But have a look at this. It's three out of a thousand. So how do our children go? Amazingly. How does our general lifespan go? Extraordinarily, certainly in the context of world history. And so, oh, here's a promise about long life and kids who won't die as child. Well, yeah, we're living that, aren't we? What about the next section here? They will build, verses 21 to 22, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and have others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will the days of my people. My chosen ones will enjoy long 
will long enjoy the work of their hands. And so, again, the idea is if you have an occupying army that takes your house, that trashes your vineyard, the idea that you live in your house, that you enjoy the fruit of your labours, is this picture of paradise and peace. Now, what's it like in Australia? Well, this is saying 100% will be homeowners uh, with vineyards. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I think in Australia, we're getting up to somewhere like 70% own their own home. And funnily enough, we've actually made a virtue of this. We would love to build houses and have others live in them, wouldn't we? Because that's an investment property. So, so, so here's the thing, right? At, at this level, again, we just look at this and kind of go, oh yeah, we're pretty much doing it. It's kind of the Australian dream, actually. Well, what about the next verse? Verse 23, They will not labour in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. So so the idea is, imagine imagine Jerusalem. Imagine a a future for you without the spectre of being destroyed by a superpower. Imagine that. Imagine what it would look like if your children weren't doomed to misfortune. What a horrible world that would be. Children born doomed to misfortune. Well, this ends up being a brilliant hope, doesn't it? Sounds amazing. So 100% peace is what we're looking for. And again, I just think about Australia and I think, well, how many land wars have we had in Australia? At least since white settlement. What did the oil say? Our shoreline was never invaded. Our country was never in flames. Extraordinary. To know peace as a country, we just take it for granted. It's the air we breathe. We don't even know it's a blessing. And so we've been called the lucky country, yeah? And, and that's not because there aren't bad, difficult, terrible things that happen in our country. But, but in the, the world, we're a lucky country. In the history of humanity, the fact that we live without fear of oppression that our kids get to live out their lives, that the general rate of our life is going up and up. We're extraordinarily blessed. And so we listen and we just kind of go, oh, it doesn't really matter. I don't need a new creation. So what might catch our attention? What might catch our attention here this morning at New Life? Well, I want to think a little bit further as we kind of look into, uh, into chapter 66 and try and think with ourselves, Where could we find something that would be challenging or encouraging for us today? Well, here's a thought, uh, and you might find this an ironic statistic. Um, 100% of Israel claimed to be Israel. What what that meant was the chosen people, all the people who were part of the chosen people thought they were part of the chosen people. That's pretty good, isn't it? They thought they were all part of God's plan. We're Israel. We must be part of God's plan. It's interesting, in Australia, if you ask Australians, are you part of God's plan? 61% of Australians claim to be Christians. Now, in this building here, you might go, who is that? Yeah? I don't meet with six out of the ten people in my world who are naming Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Would that be a fair thing to say? It's intriguing, isn't it? Have a look, though, at what the real situation was like in Israel. So all of the people in Israel thought, we're God's people for sure. 
Have a look with me at chapter 66, verses 1 to 3. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favour, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like, a person who, is like one who kills a person. And whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense is like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and they delight in their abominations. So I will choose harsh treatment for them and will bring on them what they dread. Here's the thing. Israel thought that they were right. And here God is saying they weren't all right. These verses... This verse here in, in uh, chapter 66, verse 2, should be a challenge to us. These are the ones I look on with favour, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. God is saying, actually, do you know what? Everyone who's an Israelite actually isn't truly on board with God's plan. You can even go and sacrifice a bull. And he says, doesn't count. Sacrifice a sheep. It's like pouring out pig's blood. It, we, we don't, well, apart from the fact that we don't like blood at all, right? It's impossible to imagine how offensive that is to the Israelites, right? Unclean animals. What do the unclean animals include? Pigs. So you're sacrificing an unclean animal to God. That's what it's like to him. That's how appealing your sacrifice is to him if you don't come with the right heart. He's actually saying, I find it detestable. Your religiosity, horrible. Here's the challenge for us this morning that I want us to think about. Just turning up, just turning up to do your religious duty won't cut it. Soft hearts are vital. Soft hearts are vital. So, so being physically here, can I just say, really pleased that you're here. Okay, so don't hear me unwishing you to go away, okay? But, but, but placing our carcass in the building isn't actually rocking up points on God's scorecard, okay? He's actually looking through, not just seeing body in attendance, not just a heat map, yeah? Boom, present, tick. He's actually looking through into us, looking at our hearts, and he's looking to see, do we tremble? Are we brokenhearted about the things that are happening in God's word? Are we soft to the things he cares about? That's what he's looking for. And that's the thing that he's observing. Now, we can't get past the nice clothes and maybe nice manners and nice speaking. God looks way beyond that. Way beyond that. That's a challenge, isn't it? Well, here's the place where I was uh, the last couple of days. I was um, down in Kangaroo Valley with some of the people, uh, some, some friends from church. And we were down there camping. And seriously, I'm trying to prepare this message. Well, <laughs> I think the people who were there can attest that I did a bad job of that. But I, I, I sat in a chair holding the thing that was intended to be preparing the message. And this is what I was looking at. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, why do we want the new creation again? I, I'm in Kangaroo Valley. It's green as all 
there's a river running through there. There are cattle grazing. There are people who love Jesus around me cooking on a fire. How good's that? Uh, I'm living in a tent with my family. Uh, it's fantastic. What, what is not good about this? When it says there's going to be a new creation, everything will be made new. We'll live in a land of plenty with God's people and, well, my esky was full. Do, do you get what I'm saying? It, it, it's just hard for us to long for it. But, but what I want you to know is God's word is written for you, but not just to you. There's actually a world beyond this incredible, crazy world that we live in here in Australia, this little bubble that we live in. And I want you to hear again what it would be like to hear these words if you lived somewhere slightly differently. What if we lived somewhere slightly differently? This is Syria at the moment. Verses 10 to 14 say this. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass and the hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury shown to his foes. You see, it's a beautiful picture of extraordinary comfort to those who are brokenhearted, terrified, afraid, in fear for their lives. In that context, this is extraordinary news. And I want you to know, even if it doesn't move us in Australia this morning in our air-conditioned building, it is good news right now, today, in this world. Comfort. Comfort will come. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. God will make his city great. The center point of God's plan, Jerusalem, the holy city, he will restore again. God will make his holy city great, is what he's saying to the people 700 years before Jesus. And more than that, Comfort comes to those with God's priorities. See, here's the thing. How can I be comforted over Jerusalem if I don't care about it? What if I'm a Persian and I'm trashing the joint? Only God's people will find comfort when it's restored. And so if we're on board with God's heart for the world, he's saying, you'll find comfort. You'll find comfort in the restoration of my holy city. There's a part here at the end of Isaiah 66 that talks about a return, a great return. And every time I hear it, I'm reminded of this. So if you just indulge me for one second. Now, it's funny, isn't it? 
It, it actually goes exactly to the point I was making before, right? This, this great return pictures Australia as the destination. In fact, if you're a little bit like me, maybe it actually stirs your heart a little bit. You're thinking, oh, I love Australia. You know, like I, of course, why wouldn't the whole world, why wouldn't we want to come back to our, our holy, our, our beautiful land? The picture in the Bible is not that you return to Australia. It's that God will lift up his nation, his holy city, and that the world will stream to it. Have a look with me at, at, uh, at 66. Uh, it's actually not there. It's a little bit further on. Uh, we're going to have a look at um, verses 18 uh, and following here. And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the people of all nations and languages. And they will come and see my glory. See, God is about to do this great return. He's actually going to pick up people from all over the world and gather them to his place, his place under his rule for his purpose. It says uh, in verse 19, And I will set a sign among them, and will send some of those who survived to the nations, to Tarshish. I had to look this up. Apparently Spain, okay, which is pretty much as far away from Israel as you can get in a kind of, what do we, westerly direction. Uh, to the Libyans and the Lydians, famous as archers. To Tubal, that's basically Turkey, and Greece. To the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. See, God has a great drawing in where he's pulling the nations to himself. But before that, he's actually going to send people out to go and grab them and drag them, draw them in to see the glory of the Lord. So uh, Spain and Greece and Turkey, but then it actually says some really great stuff, uh, the bit in blue there, and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. The ends of the earth, essentially, is where this message is going to go. And they will proclaim my glory among the nations. I think this is just a fabulous part uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of Isaiah here. You see, the people who are in the other nations are the people who you would traditionally think are not part of God's plan, right? The Gentiles. So you've got God's people, and then everyone else is the Gentiles. And we, we all go, boo. Except that's us. And here's the amazing thing. The end of Isaiah is actually saying, God is going to draw people from the nations to him to see his glory. He's going to send people out to proclaim his glory and draw them in. And so the Gentiles are included in God's plan. Let me get you something to be excited about. If there's a distant island from Jerusalem, where might it be? Australia. I guess New Zealand might be a little bit further away, but don't have to worry about them. But here's the thing. Distant islands, right? We hear of your fame. Isn't it extraordinary that the first fleet came with a chaplain? Yeah? So that people might hear in the distant islands proclaim the glory of the Lord. So Australia is included in God's plan. That's amazing. And that means that we are included in God's plan. That the ends of the earth might come to worship and praise and glorify our amazing God. We've called this series The Unstoppable Plans of the Holy God. And what I want you to know this morning is the unstoppable plans of the Holy God will prevail. They will prevail. 
you saw back there in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, it, it, it sounded like a cranky reading, didn't it? Nelson, you did a really great job. It's just God saying, hey, Israel, you don't get it. You're wrong. You're living as my enemies. Uh, have a listen to Isaiah up here, chapter 1, verse 13. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, religious feasts, basically. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. That's how it starts. Have a listen to how it finishes. We've been looking at the one who makes this transition possible. The one in Isaiah that makes the move from being God's enemies to being his chosen people again. And that person is the servant. Yeah? If you've been with us through this Isaiah series. And so one who will come from the shoot of Jesse, the Lamb of God, the Saviour of the world, the one who brings peace between God and man. The servant will come. And when the servant comes, when he's done his work, have a listen to how Isaiah 66 finishes. From one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. Can you see that difference? R rather than Israel's offering being detestable to God, now, because they've been redeemed by the servant, washed clean, made his people again, now the world will come and bow down, living rightly, offering right worship to God. Here's the summary. God wins. Not Assyria, not Persia, not Babylon. God wins. His purpose will prevail. So here's our, here's our title. The Unstoppable Plans of the Holy God. I, I want to tell you how God's purpose prevails. Firstly, God wins. He, he is unopposable in achieving his end. God will win. Gee, that's good news today, isn't it? You know, if you get beyond Australia, you could look at the world and think maybe someone has taken their hands off the wheel at times, wouldn't you? I, I, I'm beyond understanding uh, America. It's just tragic beyond all belief. And if that was actually connected, I don't know if you've heard, that the gunman was asking people to state their religion before he shot them. If that's correct, it's a dark old world, isn't it? The thing to remember is that God will prevail. God wins. His servant ensures it. Who's the servant? Great answer. Jesus is the serpent. The one who... The servant. The one who dies on the cross to pay the price for our sin. The one who's pierced for our iniquities. The one whose life will be prolonged and see his offspring. That one, he will ensure it. And the world will eventually bow down. We pray it might bow down joyfully, lifting up Jesus as king. But if it doesn't, it will bow down one day, on the day of justice, when they see the risen Jesus. One way or another, God will win. His servant has ensured it. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Well, that's better, isn't it? Are you excited about that? Great. I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased. So what I want to, three points of challenge for today. First of all, will we look forward to our future? Not, not, just, not just trapped in this stuff, yeah? 
wow, love the sunrise, love our beautiful city. I'm getting older and I'm still with good health. Uh, I, I sold and bought a house. My investment property is doing well. Whatever. Let's get beyond that. Yeah? Let's get beyond that and look forward to our future, the future that God has guaranteed for us. To find hope and joy and longing and purpose in looking to God's future. Secondly, will we live real religion? I don't think the word religion is evil. But, but the point is, when we bring our sacrifice, when we bring our time, we say, God, here's my week. How should I use it? Or my talents, I go, I'm really good at this. I would love to use it for your service. Or we go, how am I using my money? We say to God, I want to bring it in a way that shows a wholehearted devotion to you. One of the great things our kids are learning in New Life Kids at the moment, love the Lord your God with some of your heart, a bit of your mind, a portion of your strength. Does that sound right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're looking for wholehearted devotion. That's what the Lord Jesus is looking for in us. Will we live real religion? Not stop, being, not stop going to church as some act of holiness, but come to church wholeheartedly. And lastly, I think this is the most exciting thing. If the glory of the Lord is going to go out to the distant, the distant islands, to Spain and Greece and Tubal and various other Tarshish and other places, how's it going to happen? The name of the Lord will go out when we proclaim his glory. How will it get to your family? How will it get over the fence to your next door neighbours? How will it get next to the photocopier at your workplace? Or the sink of orphaned cups? How will that happen? Because you're there, because you're part of God's plan, because you are willing to proclaim his glory. And here's the thing I realized about this as I was thinking during the week. Will we proclaim God's glory? It's a great challenge. But here's the thing. What's glorious about God that's worth proclaiming? I, I just, I'm just going to let us feel this for a second. Because if I say to you, oh yeah, go and proclaim God's glory in all the world. And you're like, yeah, I think someone should do that, definitely. No, no, you do it. And then you think, well, what do I say? What would I say about why God is glorious? What makes him glorious? That he's concerned about justice. That he hates false religion. That he's bringing mercy and forgiveness to those who are wicked and far away. That's a great God. That he's unstoppably achieving his plans to bring everything together under the name of Jesus. Will you proclaim his glory? Will we be part of the unstoppable plans of God because we get it? One of the joys of this series in Isaiah has been putting the big plan of God before us. And now we need to be people who will give the message of new life and live new life for Jesus. I'm going to pray that that will be the case. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for these words that you have preserved from Isaiah your prophet. Father, there have been some weeks in this series where we've just been overwhelmed at your incredible justice and your wrath. Father, we stand in awe of your mercy and your forgiveness. We thank you for your servant, the chosen one, 
the one who was promised to David, who now sits at your right hand. Heavenly Father, would you give us a deep confidence, even in the midst of the blessings of Australia, that you are working out your unstoppable plan, that we have a glorious home with you, a home of peace and right living. And we pray, Father, that you might help us to bring many, many with you, for we long to see new life in every home. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.